You have so many hot takes that we've burned our tongue and we can't taste anything. When Luke Kennard wakes up in the morning, gets out of bed, and looks in the mirror while he's brushing his teeth, he sees Duncan Robinson. And that's just so sad. He really did the three out of three in D. There's an ice shortage in New Zealand. I kind of got all up in the numbers and I got burned for it. Fantasy production is opportunity meets talent. And if you don't have the opportunity, you're not going to put up the numbers. Hey guys, welcome back to the Flashy Stats Fantasy Podcast. I'm Vince, and I'm joined here by Mike, Matt, and Giuseppe. And today we're bringing you the second half of our top 20 shooting guards for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We're going to get us started here with Marcus Smart, the guy that I designed my 2K, my player after. He can guard all five positions. Marcus Smart, shooting guard for the Boston Celtics, had kind of a resurgence here this past season, putting up over two threes a game with 13 points, four rebounds, five assists, as Giuseppe likes to call him, a triple-double threat, almost two steals a game as well. He's always been known for his defense, and his offense has really been improving season on season. Like I said, we have him in the number 16 spot here. We all have him around this 16, 17 range. Matt, I know you wanted to get us started here on Marcus Smart, so I'm going to kick it to you to get us into it. He's really the definition of non-flashy stats. When I first started playing fantasy, I thought this guy was actually trash. As I got more experience playing, he's a contributor in those categories that really aren't flashy, and his field goal percentage is pretty terrible. So... Honestly, a good like if you were gonna like punt a category or two, like he is a key a key piece in a team that punts points and or field goal percentage. Also, I just wanted to say, as our uh, resident free throw percentage guy, over the last couple seasons, his free throw percentage has really increased. His rookie year and his sophomore year, he was at sixty four percent and seventy seven percent, and this last season he was at eighty three percent, which is a huge jump. Just like Matt said. He gets a lot of stats that aren't very flashy and aren't very exciting, but are nonetheless very important to your fantasy team. Originally, when we did our top 10 shooting guards, I was really high on Marcus Smart. I since lowered my rankings on Marcus Smart just because I didn't consider that he might not even be starting next season with Kemba, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum all on the team. So he might be coming off the bench and as a sixth man, I still think he has the top 20 shooting guard value, but without the starting minutes, it's going to be hard for him to contribute as much to your team. In addition to that, I think Marcus Smart is the best fantasy player when it comes to getting steals. I try to build my team around a team that could steal because I feel that steals are kind of a consistent stat line, and that's important to a consistency of a team. Yeah, I just I mean, didn't you originally have him in your top 10? In this playoffs, he's been playing phenomenally. And if he could play the way he is in these playoffs, he could definitely be a top 10 option. I just think that over a course of a season, I don't think he can keep up the numbers. So I, I definitely reconsidered and took him out of my top 10. He's for sure a top 20 player for me, even if he is the sixth man on the on the Celtics next season. Quick question. Marcus Smart on like the Pistons or the Knicks. Where do you rank him at? I think I rank him in the same spot because although he might be getting more minutes, they're less efficient minutes. Also, the Celtic team is very well-rounded, so it benefits him rather than being on the Pistons and being the number one option or the number two option. I think he'll struggle a little bit more there efficiency-wise. So it would become a factor where his field goal percentage would be more negative to your team because he's be shooting more, being a higher priority on the offense, and that would hurt your team more than help it. Yeah, I think that I was in the same boat as Matt. Where a few years ago, I kind of judged Marcus Smart's fantasy abilities and never really reanalyzed until maybe last year or the year before that. 
I remember one year Marcus Smart, I think, literally set a record for like the worst three point percentages for shooting over like 200 of them in a season or 250 or. I don't remember exactly what the number was, but he was just a really terrible shooter. He really took the three out of three in D. But lately in the past couple of years, he hasn't really increased his field goal percentage, but a lot of his stats that, like Matt said, are less flashy, have been really, really impressive. Like one thing that we haven't talked about yet is the fact that he has five assists a game, but less than two turnovers. He has about a 3.0 assist to turnover ratio, which we loud with a lot of players like Chris Paul, but a lot of these less substantive point guards or shooting guards, we don't really discuss their assist turnover percentage as much as like a key for just drafting a good fantasy playmaker, but it is really important. And I think that like free throw percentage, which Marcus Smart has also increased year over year, his turnovers have also been consistent and consistently going down, which is a really good sign that he's more mature and smarter of an offensive player. You'll also, if you have Marcus Smart on your team, get your daily dose of really fun flops, which is another positive to having him. And I just think that he's a really well-rounded player that isn't like exceptional in really any one thing, except for maybe steals, but gives you a lot of good value across different categories. Turnovers are another part of our scoring format. Like Vince said, he gets a very good amount of assists, averaging almost five assists and having less than two turnovers. So that that's an important stat to consider when you're looking for, you know, someone who can contribute with assists and steals and, and not hurt you as much in the turnover category. If his field goal percentage was higher, do you guys think he could be top 10? Oh, definitely. It's He's he's in the same train to me as like, when we were grading Ben Simmons, and it's like if his free throw percent, or not Ben Simmons, but even like Giannis, if his free throw is higher, he'd be like the clear-cut best fantasy player. If Marcus Smart has a better field goal percentage, I don't think he has any bad categories, and there's really not a lot of people you can say that about. I guess points wouldn't be very good, but it's really like I think that that's something you can pick up on the waivers. And I think besides field goal, he genuinely might be like probably top 12 to me. I mean, if his field goal percentage is going up, that means his point values are also going up. I mean, or you could just assume that because he'll be making more shots so maybe his points value will end up at like maybe 20 instead of 13 and if he can make it there he's i think he's definitely a top 10 oh yeah marcus smart 20 points a game is certainly top 10 i i kind of just assumed he meant like if he just takes smarter but less shots so if he's like instead of being four for 11 he's like four for nine no pun intended <laughs> just make a, take a smart shot Boo. <laughs> that was pretty bad I mean, he's a good player. He's definitely a player I'd want on an actual NBA team. As far as fantasy, he's a good supporting guard. Like, he's not going to be my number one shooting guard on my team. Like, you guys keep putting him in this category that he's, you know, top 12, top 10. He's definitely this for me. I just don't see that. I I don't mean to disagree with you guys or hate on Marcus Smart. He is very good all-around player, but the scale that it is, it's – it's mediocre in all of them. So it's a good player to throw in there, yes, but he's not a player I'm going to target over other players. I would want him on my team, yes, no doubt. But that's with the addition of two or three other shooting guards that I have on my team. You would rather have players like Josh Richardson over him or Tyler Hero? Like, where is the, the disconnect? Like, why do you think that Tyler Hero is better than Marcus Smart? Just the way I build my team. So that's why I'm saying it's a little bit different for everyone and, and how they want to manage their team. So, yes, I want Marcus Smart, but he's going to be alongside my other shooting guards. I wouldn't want to have him over Tyler Hero, no. And that's because mainly I get my defensive stats from my small forwards and my power forwards. I don't really look for defensive stats out of a shooting guard. My shooting guards are my people who are going to get threes and a lot of a lot of points and maybe throw in a steal here and there. It's just a bonus if they have higher upside. I feel like looking for a defensive guard is is limiting the ceiling that you have for your team. I'm just thinking about the way you potentially could build your team from a 
snake draft, I feel that Marcus Smart could be your number one shooting guard in the right situation where you take a very heavy stance on your small forwards. I know you love your small forwards. I mean, imagine having a team with like Ubre, Isaac, and all these guys. You'd still consider a high volume score over someone who could be defensive and kind of benefit with a team like that? I well, I mean, it, it depends. If I'm punting points, yeah, 100%. Marcus Smart's the greatest option. I totally agree with you guys, but with the way I build my team, no. If provided I only had, I had more defense first players and I was looking more to just, you know, win categories like assists, steals, blocks, turnovers, and I knew those were like my five categories, then yes, I would want Marcus Smart. If that's the position I was in and I needed to have five solid categories, yes, there's no reason I would ever pick up Tyler Hero who – I'm going to lose those categories regardless. I'm not going to win threes. I'm not going to win points if my team is filled with defense first, you know, 10, 12 points a game players. That's why I said it's so situational based. It's really hard for me to take a stance on this as someone who I was probably worse than that. I thought Marcus Smart was irrelevant in fantasy and laughed when people picked him up. Like this was the first year where I actually saw he had value. I don't know if it's because I was missing it or if it's just because I structurally build my team so different than everyone else. Like I don't ever see someone draft a team similar to me ever. You expect certain things from certain positions on your team. You just designated the shooting guard position as a high volume scorer. And that's why you don't maybe consider Marcus Smart in that position because he doesn't really fit on your team. And that's why you don't rate him as highly as we do. Exactly. Like if I had a player like Gallinari, maybe I would consider a Marcus Smart. It just really depends on how you draft your team and which players you like to have and what players are able to get for good value. But I do see how you guys can say where, like placing him where he's being placed. Yeah, I I definitely can agree and see that for myself personally. No, if I'm an NBA manager, yeah, I want Marcus Smart on my team. He's literally an upgraded Patrick Beverly. That's what Patrick Beverly wishes he was. We're talking as if I have Marcus Smart extremely high and Mike has him extremely low but we both put him at 17 on our list. So it's kind of funny how these discussions seem like we're in a different place, like where we think about him, but we're actually like ranked in the exact same position. I don't know about you guys. When I draft my team, I don't look at points or turnovers. As, like those to me are like, if you draft a team with good players, I mean, obviously like if a guy's like red flag, like I look like when I, when I think about like Russell Westbrook, I might think about turnovers, but like my average player, I really don't consider their points or their turnovers unless it's like extremely high or extremely low. Yeah. When I usually, I usually go like best available player. I rarely look at positions because it's not as big of an issue as it could be in like football where you have to fill out a certain position and you don't have the guys because a lot of basketball players have multiple positions. So we could play them at shooting guard or small forward or, shooting guard and point guard so the positions really don't make a big impact on my draft i usually don't look at making like a balanced team or like going with a strategy i usually just take best available and then throughout the season i'm trying to adjust to give my team the best chance of winning there's a lot of trading at least in our fantasy basketball league like like this past year my first two auction picks were bradley beal and jimmy butler which are both shooting guards. And Giuseppe and I ended up doing a trade because he didn't have really any shooting guards where, where I got John Morant and Boyan Bogdanovich for Jimmy Butler, which is actually where the name Flashy Stats Fantasy Podcast comes from. I don't know if we've done a, an origin story episode, but Flashy Stats Fantasy Podcast originally came from the fact that when we made that trade, I was accused of only looking at the, and I quote, flashy stats referring to Boyan Bogdanovich because he only really gets points of threes, which I thought was really funny considering Boyan is probably the least flashy player maybe in the entire NBA.
Okay, so getting into number 17 in our list here, we have Tyler Hero, our resident. Mike drove him up further on a list than any of the rest of us had of the episode. Tyler Hero is actually making a lot of splashes lately in the bubble and in the playoffs. He's been doing really, really well. He's like really getting really well known for not only DMing an Instagram model while he was in the bubble, but also just for being really cold in clutch situations. Against the Celtics, he's had a lot of big moments, including like a really difficult like hands in his face three in overtime to like almost ice in a game. He's really shown flashes of brilliance in the last couple of games, com- making a lot of comparisons to other great shooting guards of the past. Mike, I'm going to let you talk more about Tyler Hero and what you see out of him here. I know that you've been really high on him for basically since he came into the league, you've been saying positive things about him. And I don't remember if you drafted him, but I know when the draft came around, you were telling us that he was going to be really good. And thus far, he had a, he had a good rookie season. He put up Pretty modest averages of 13 and a half points, four rebounds, two assists on 43% shooting with not too much else. But a lot of people, given that he's a rookie and a rising team and with rising talent, expect to jump out of him next year. Mike, get us into our conversation here on Tellero. I know we made this list, I don't know, about you know three weeks ago in our last episodes. We kind of pushed this to the wayside. So I really hate talking about him now. I mean, he's had an impeccable playoff run. He's coming. He's filled in for that Miami team exactly what they need him for. It's just unfortunately the last game that you know we see of him is Boston beating Miami, and he bricked four shots in the fourth quarter that potentially could have been, I think, game-tying or at least made it within one point or something like that. But that's what you get out of a rookie. You have to understand that players are going to be streaky. They have to try and get comfortable. And the biggest impressive thing about him is that he can hit those clutch shots, and he's not afraid to take them. That doesn't come often, and to like play with the intensity that he that he has, it's very promising for his future. His stats were average. They're what worse than Kendrick Nunn's, and so a lot of people are saying that he was a better rookie. But Tyler Hero has a much higher ceiling come in the future. I also think that another reason that Tyler Hero might have like a higher ceiling in your mind is literally is like five years younger than Kendrick Nunn. It's like looking at like Malcolm Brogdon versus like Joel Embiid their rookie years, and it's like yeah, Malcolm Brogdon won Rookie of the Year, but nobody expects him to be a better NBA player. I think the other impressive thing is is you have to like consider just the person in general. Like there's a lot of stats and stuff you can look at, but if Eric Spolster is trusting him like to be on the floor in the last minutes of the game and allowing him, like giving him the green light to say, you know what? Yeah, you, you shoot those shots. He's got to be doing something special. You know what I'm saying? He's got to be putting in that extra work somewhere along the line. All right. Here's the real question. Three years from now, Gary Trent or Tyler Hero? I was actually just thinking like, hmm, I wonder how long it's going to take us to get into Gary Trent because, spoiler alert, Gary Trent's not on our list here, which I was just thinking like, I wonder why nobody even thought like, oh, pop him in the top 20. Three years from now, talent or like fantasy-wise? Fantasy-wise. Uh, I think Gary Trent Jr. is going to be in a better position. I think in three years, Tyler Rose is going to still be in like a relatively – like I don't think Miami – I think Miami has long-term plans with this team. Whereas like Portland, Gary Trent might be able to like either carve out a bigger niche there or like there's just less depth on that team in general. So I think it'll be better fantasy-wise, but I think Tyler Hero will be a better player. I think the opposite, actually. You, do, you, do you guys think that Gary Trent Jr. deserves a spot on this list over players like Malik Beasley, Tim Hardaway Jr., Josh Richardson, Norman Powell? Question mark. What do any of those players have in common? The one player who sticks out to me is Malik Beasley, who you single-handedly put on this list. You guys were hating on me. for. We have Tyler Hero at 17. I put him at 14. It's not that far off. Not a single one of us has Malik Beasley on our list except for you. Yeah, but Mike, you've done it every episode. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. You did it this time. You guys are always hating. Oh, Mike Mike has hot takes. They never stick. This is your hot take, Mel Beasley. It's not going to stick. I'm sorry. Yeah, but he's my boy. If the uh, the meme were like the two Spider-Mans are like pointing at each other, it could be like a thing in real life or not. It'd be Vince and Mike right now. 
That's Mike and I always. We always are like hating at each other for like, like I'm always like, oh, Mike, you're super biased. And then like throw Bradley Beal in my top three. <laughs> and Mike is like, oh, Vince, you only like centers. And then you only like shooting guards. It's just like, it's for me, when I do it, I fully commit. Like I already know I'm going to get roasted for it. I fully commit to having the personal bias. Like it's not just one player, it's all of them. Whereas Vince, it's a little bit more low key and it's just one player. So I'm the one who gets the hate on it, but it's <laughs> bad. Like you got to just fully commit at that point. If you're going to be a stupid fan, you got to make it defendable. You, gotta, like, <laughs> you only have hot takes. So to the point where they're not even hot, it's just like, oh, Mike put John Morant number one on his list. I wonder what this goober is going to say about it. It's not like, oh, why did Mike do this? It's like, oh, we figured he would. Is, is it, so you're saying it's more like lukewarm bathtub water takes? No, it's like you have so many hot takes that we've burned our tongue and we can't taste anything. <laughs> so Exactly. So it's I, like. We're so eating. then when one of them sticks, it reignites your taste buds. No, perfectly. when exactly. one of them sticks, it just gets stuck in my mouth and I just want to spit it out. It's like when you go outside in the winter and then you come back inside and like your hands are really cold, but you don't even notice, but then you run them under hot water and you're like, and then your hands start getting really tingly. That's like us when you say something that's like a normal take. Like when you like, you know what I was just going to say when you put James Harden at number one, but I realized you didn't even do that. But like when you have like a normal take about basketball, it's like when you run your hands under hot water after being outside all day. Like you're just like, oh, I kind of forgot that this is what hands are supposed to feel like. Wait, what? I know that analogy. That's, really the, most, that's <laughs> the most painful feeling. When I'm outside and I've just been, you know, sledding, doing whatever, outside in the snow, and I come inside and I put my hands under the hot water, I feel like my hands are going to burn off. Yeah, who do you think would make the All-NBA bobsled team? Bogdanovich, right? Kawhi? Why would Kawhi? He's got huge hands. Yeah, but what does big hands do bobsled? Do you use your hands when you bobsled? No, not at all. You literally use your body weight and you shift it along the oh course. you just need big players you don't need... definitely be javel mcgee no I don't know if you get through those tunnels though no because i mean depending on what kind of bobsled you're doing if you're doing two man they're very small so you probably need a smaller person rather than a big person javel mcgee would take a whole damn bobsled. Nate Robinson, I boban. boban yeah i was thinking boban too boban would take boban up just... a whole one there is no one man bobsled there's either two or four dude what about like steven adams he's from new zealand dude they probably bobsled there <laughs> yeah and what on the sand they need, they need ice. <laughs> it's not... Dude, is ice in New Zealand? Barely. Dude, what are you saying right now? There's an ice shortage in New Zealand. There's not even any more glaciers around the world. Why do you think there's ice in New Zealand? All right, let's 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 get out of climate change here. <laughs> we brought up bobsleds. Jeez. <laughs> uh, who do you guys think is going to win this Heat versus Celtics series? I know that every episode will like somebody's going to somebody makes a claim about a series that's currently going on, and by the time we upload it, it's like already over. Like a couple episodes ago, we talked about like the Trailblazers, and Mike was like, "They're going to seven. They're going to seven. And they like <laughs> lost in five. And then like after that, like we were like talking about how well the Rockets were doing, and then like they lost in five. So let's just get this in the air right now. If we're wrong, we're just going to be wrong, and everyone's going to know about it. Heat Celtics. Who do we all have? Miami Heat and seven. Miami Heat and six. Celtics in seven. I got Celtics in seven, too. I think the Celtics have a better team. I think they finally figured out how to play against the Heat, and that means they have to pass the ball, which is very hard <laughs> for them in the first two games. Yeah, they're playing very individualistic basketball game one. At least like that's what I felt like. I mean, I know I'm not like a coach or anything, but I felt like a lot of players were doing ISOs and taking their own individual shots, which is not really like a Brad Stevens offense. I was very surprised by that. I mean, how, how can you not do that when you have four players, four 20 points per game players on the team? You have Kemba, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Gordon Hayward, now who's back into the mix. Those four players, when you – like, did you ever look that they played better without Gordon Hayward because of that? And I think that yeah. bringing them back in, they figure out a better system. And I think they do have a good chance 
at taking a few games away from the Heat, but there's just no way they're beating them. Gordon Hayward no is a, like a very good, probably one of the best passers of the ball when it comes to like small fours that aren't LeBron James and Giannis, but and Joe Ingles. And Joe Ingles actually is very underrated, but Gordon Hayward. That's probably one of his best attributes is being like a very good team player. And I think he's, he really showed how important he is to the Celtics team in game three. You know what? I'm going to say this one just for Jordan. Hopefully he's listening out there and, you know, shoot me a text. I'll know if he's a loyal friend or not. I take Joe Ingles over for Gordon Hayward any day of the week. And for the reason that Joe Ingles has only missed three games out of his entire career, that man is a – I mean, what about Kelly Oubre? He was hurt at the end of the season. It doesn't matter. Kelly Oubre holds a special place in my heart. Yeah, exactly. I can't wait for Mike to pick him up next season and have him get injured. Like Joe Ingles? Else that Mike I, I can't. I, can't I, I seriously will not put him on my team for that reason because I know every single player that I have always gets hurt, and I always feel bad for them. I'm like, is it me? Like, am I the reason? Like, you've had a great career. So it's so healthy. I draft you, and all of a sudden, boom, season-ending injury. It's fine. Does anyone want to talk about how Gordon Hayward went from – I'll have her home by nine to she calls me daddy to I'm the father with this new mustache or whatever, whatever he's rocking right now. And also the actual father. Isn't he having a child being born soon? I think it's his fourth. I don't know. I don't pay oh, attention. Yeah. Much. He had that, he had that like child reveal where it was like another girl and he just looked depressed. Like he was like hitting balloons, like dejected. Like he has like three daughters. If he's not careful, he's going to end up like Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers is terrible. Dude. Seeing him in a Colts uniform makes me want to throw up. All right, Let we're off topic like crazy. I don't want to talk about Philip Rivers in a basketball podcast. All right, all right. Just get us back on topic. All right. Just to uh, address the point that Mike made about Vince dragging people up the list. Honestly, if you're looking at our composite list right now, number 17, 18, 19, and 20, they're all like insanely close. So. And when I look at this list, I hate all of them. I, I, as soon as you get, as soon as you get to eighteen through twenty-three or whatever we have ranked on here, I just I hate all of them. I don't want any of them. Coming in at number eighteen on our list, we have Luke Kennard. He's had some injury concerns in his first couple of years playing with the Pistons. And you know what? Now that I think about it, this is the first Pistons player we're talking about. So we could finally have Giuseppe dissing the Pistons in a way that is actually on topic. But Luke Kennard, this past year, before he had that injury, I thought was actually playing really well. He had better stats than the first couple of guys we've talked about here, but albeit less consistently. He only played 25 games because of his knee injury. But in those 25 games, he put up 16 points a game, four rebounds, four assists, almost three threes a game. Shot around 90% from the free throw line and 44% from the field goal. And his role in the Pistons will definitely be a contributor to his actual fantasy value as a player. So he's kind of up in the air in that regard. He's definitely not your safest player on the list. But when you get to down to this range with shooting guards, you might want to look for a flyer. But Mike doesn't seem to think so. You're the only player here without Luke Kennard in your top 20. And you just said how you don't like players from this point on. So let's get the negativity out of the way. Do you want to talk here about Luke Kennard for a bit? Yeah, I mean... When Luke Kennard wakes up in the morning, gets out of bed, and looks in the mirror while he's brushing his teeth, he sees Duncan Robinson. And that's just so sad because when I look at Luke Kennard, I see the trash can that he is. He is so bad. This is speaking from my heart. I just – I can't stand that the Pistons drafted him. I never thought he was going to be good. He's just average. Like, he's just a – it was a waste of a pick. Like, I, I don't see how a player, especially on the Pistons who suck, could ever utilize a player like this. Like, if he was on a player – like, a team who – just needed a spot up shooter to make a few shots here and there, like like what people do when they're trying to like you know trade or when they acquire Kyle Corver. This is like you can't play the ball through this guy. I just don't like him. I don't see him being good. 
I see him being irrelevant, and maybe we'll keep paying him like Josh Smith. Oh, we got the negative out of the way. Giuseppe, I know you got something positive to say about Luke Kennard here. Anytime I think of Luke Kennard, I think, why aren't you Donovan Mitchell? That's all I can ever think of. But, <laughs> Poor guy. All right, I'm done with the negativity on Luke Kennard. He's a very good shooter. I mean, obviously, the, the Pistons drafted him over someone like Donovan Mitchell because the report was when he did the training, the training camp day with the Pistons, he shot close to 30 for 30 on three-pointers. He's obviously a very good shooter. Mike said that he sees him as more of a sharpshooter, just wait for your shot and not really able to help out the offense in any way. But I don't see it as that. I don't see him as a Kyle Korver-esque player because I think that he's a better ball handler than we give him credit for. We talked about how Marcus Smart had almost five assists a game, averaging less than two turnovers. Well, Luke Kennard last season had about four assists a game and averaged one and a half turnovers which is a little worse than Marcus Smart in general, but he's also playing on the Celtics that can hit a lot more shots than the Pistons. So you got to give him some credit that he was actually ball handling a lot. And I think that I saw an improvement in his, his ability to shoot off the dribble because originally I thought he was only a sharpshooter, but Drum would come for a pick and Luke Kennard would take a step into the three-point line and, and hit, a, hit a long two, which was very irritating to see as a Pistons fan because it's probably one of the worst shots to take. But, you know, he hit a decent amount of them. So I think that Luke Kennard is a top 20 option. But because of his, his three-point ability and his scoring ability, he has a decent free throw percentage, but I don't think he gets the line enough. So he's a good option. Like Mike said, there aren't many impressive shooting guard options in the top 20. I think if you need a scorer, Luke Kennard is, you know, definitely going to be available to you. Obviously, I thought that Mike was being a little harsh because he straight up dissed him into the grave. But I think that Luke Kennard has really improved a lot since he's been drafted. Like this past year, before he got hurt, his three-pointers went up by a three a game. He basically tripled the amount of free throws that he takes in a game, doubled his assists, really didn't bring his field goal percentage down or his turnovers really up too much. I thought that he was getting better in a lot of regards, and he was getting quicker as a, as a shot creator, being able to not just spot up, but to actually make some offense happen, which is obviously very much needed in the Pistons. Luke Kennard is becoming a pretty good secondary ball handler to me, and that definitely translated to fantasy. I think that if he can keep himself healthy, if Derrick Rose like leaves the Pistons, I think we're looking at a 20-point-a-game score here. I think he has a pretty high ceiling. He's obviously got a really low floor. Like There's a good chance that he doesn't play for a lot of the year or that he has really poor efficiency and doesn't really do too much. But I also think he has a higher ceiling than Tyler Hero or than Marcus Smart for next season. Wait, you, wait, did you just say that he has a higher ceiling than Tyler Hero and Marcus Smart? Fantasy-wise, for next season. I think that Luke Kennard has a better opportunity just because he has a lot more minutes. And, yeah, and, and he, he has, there's, not a lot more like, there's not a ton of options on that team. Like, He's going to have to take – it's like Buddy Heald this past year. Like, I wouldn't say he's a better scorer than Jalen Brown, but he had more options to shoot the ball. So he, he got more points a game. I tweeted it out recently. I said Tyler Hero is everything that the Pistons wanted Luke Kennard to be, and I still stand by I think Tyler Hero is a much better shooter. He can put up some shots that you think would never go in, whereas I see Luke Kennard, he can make the wide-open threes, but he rarely can make a shot for himself or – a shot with a hand in his face, but I do think that Luke Kennard has a higher ceiling for fantasy next season, just because he's going to be more of a focal point for the Pistons. Rather, Tyler Hero will be coming off the bench, and he could still make a very big impact on your fantasy team, but he won't have the opportunity that Luke Kennard has. Oh, 
Okay, so moving on to the number 19 spot on the list, we have Josh Richardson, shooting guard of the Philadelphia 76ers, in my mind, most recently known for one of the most ridiculous clear path fouls I've ever seen in my life and the last game of that Celtics series when the 76ers got swept. But overall, the past couple seasons, he's been a really solid contributor in things like three-pointers and has been not inefficient as a player, shooting 43% this past year, 81% from the free throw line. He doesn't give you a ton outside of points and had kind of a recessive year this past season. He only put up 14 points a game with three rebounds and three assists, but he gives you good stocks, good defensive stats at 0.9 steals and 0.7 blocks and is overall not a bad option. Josh Richardson is not a guy that you often regret having on your team, unless you're Matt. Matt said that Josh Richardson was not his favorite player to have. Matt, I'm going to let you put it in your own words here. I've been playing fantasy for five years now. Out of all the players that I've had on my team, Josh Richardson was the most frustrating to own. He is the pinnacle of streaky and inconsistent. And then also his field goal percentage is just not the best. Whenever there was a week where I needed like a couple more threes or a couple more steals, Josh Richardson just like would not help me in that category. I don't know why I traded for him last season. I kind of got all up in the numbers and I got burned for it. Do you ever think that like he didn't hit those two threes, you know, at the end of the week for you that you needed because of the way you talk about him, the way you treat him on your team? Because you don't believe him. I mean, honestly, maybe. Are you not a good owner? Do you not buy every jersey that, you know, (laughs) of every player you draft? Sometimes I just wonder if that plays a factor. I'm just, you know, just throwing that out there. You know, Jay Rich, he was on my team two years ago. Same situation, a little bit streaky, but I still showed him love when he did score a lot, you know? And I feel like when you talk positive about your players, maybe you can get some trade value for him. I don't know, Matt. I feel like you talked him down all season and no one wanted to touch him after that except for the waiver wire. Mike, how's that strategy work out for you where your team's been extremely injured? What do you say to them to get your team injured? Do you get them too hyped? They're like, oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, coach. And then they just blow out their knees. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, don't, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I, maybe you I hype like your I, players too much. Maybe you should just, you know, be like, okay. Ease them back. Yeah. Maybe slowly hype them up throughout the year at, is yeah. rather than like right after the draft. Exactly. You know, let them build, get a little comfortable, build some confidence, yeah. and then hype them up. Yeah, you know, I, I can see that. But <laughs> all in all, even with injuries, like when you really do love your players, you tend to enjoy fantasy a lot more. So like at the end of the day, fantasy, in my opinion, is about having fun. I know everyone wants to win, but – Let's be real. Like, do you still root for your favorite team in, in, in football or basketball, whatever sports you predominantly watch? Absolutely. Do you still root for those teams, even though majority of the time don't win unless you're a bandwagon fan? I just like having fun. So I like hyping up my players. If I enjoy a fantasy season, then I take that as a W. No, and if I sure. get a few a few players that break out, perfect. I think that the year before, Mike was very high on him. And that was one of his hot takes that he got right when he was playing with Miami. And I saw that potential being able to play with the 76ers but it never really worked out exactly the way Josh Richardson or the 76ers planned on but I still think that Josh Richardson is a very good player to the point where he can get very hot and have a very good streak of shooting games and he can get up in the 20s 25s and really make a big impact on your team and I don't think his stock is very high so I think that you can get him with very low draft stock. It's like what we talk about with Evan Fournier like he's really unflashy but like if you just need three-pointers you need points you need like maybe steals or something like that like he does get the job done there all of these players in the 15 to 20 range on our shooting guards list you can get for if you're doing auction a few dollars provided your auction budget's like 200 like all these players are very cheap at this point i want to hear this argument from malik beasley 
You want to get into Malik Beasley? Malik Beasley is the carry-on Johnson of basketball. First of all, they look the same. Second of all, he would be good provided he actually saw minutes on the team and didn't get outshined by rookies. Dude, he went to – hold on. First of all, guys, we're talking about Malik Beasley now. We're not getting a fancy intro for this one. We're talking about Malik Beasley. He got 34 points a game when he went to the when he went to Minnesota. And he, I know it's Minnesota, but, like, you put up 21 points a game. They're like, the reason why I put him in our top 20 is because he was my middle-of-the-season pickup that, like, transformed my team. Like, he gave me a couple of doubles because he put up three-and-a-half threes and 21 points on 47% in the second half of the season. Like, if he goes to a team – now, obviously, it's yet to be seen if he's going to go to a team that's a good fit for him. But if he's on a team that's a good fit for him, he, he is a legitimate 20-point-a-game player. I definitely agree with you, Vince. My only thing is if he's able to get the minutes. On every team he's played for, we've seen him put up 20 points a game. Like, I mean, we've seen that even when he was in Denver. Like, he put up 20 points a game. I don't know why or who wasn't playing or who was hurt or why he was getting the minutes. But it's just like I feel like every team that he's been on or been traded to, we see those flashes of greatness where he could put up the points, but then he doesn't end up getting the minutes. I don't know why. So that's why I'm not super high on him. Yes, he went to Minnesota, but they also do have some young, promising players that I don't see him continuing to put up the 20 points that he is. Yeah, I mean, so my thing with Malik Beasley, and it really needs to, it's actually a really important note here that he is a free agent now. He just finished his rookie deal. So that's why I said this will go up or down depending on, not up. I don't think it'll go any higher than, I have him at 15 on our list, above a lot of key players here. And that's objectively really high because I'm assuming him on Minnesota. And if he's not there, if he goes to a team that is more deep, like we talked about how the Nuggets are probably the deepest team in the NBA. And like, yeah, it's going to be really hard for a lot of players to get solid stats. So like this past year, like Jamal Murray wasn't a top 10 point guard, not because he's not good enough, but because there's not enough value to go around for all the great players in that team. So like Malik Beasley's on a team like Minnesota. Yeah, I think he's undoubtedly a top 20 player. And I don't think he's going to repeat 20 points a game, but I think that he'll repeat really solid stats. But if he's on a team like Denver, I don't think he's going to be top 25 because fantasy production is opportunity meets talent. And if you don't have the opportunity, you're not going to put up the numbers. So do you think that he's going to get the opportunity over players like Culver or Akogi? Like, do you think that the Timberwolves are going to play him over them and give him that opportunity? I think they did. I can't tell you that I'm in the front office there and I am able to see what, what their thoughts are. But like I said, he, he played as many minutes a game this past year as the MVP. When he went to Minnesota, Like he played 33 minutes a game, put up 21 points a game. No fantasy drafts are going to be soon. And so I can't say right now, like, you have to take him in, the, in your top 20. But, like, if you get to your fantasy draft and you look at a roster that he's on and he's a starter on it, then I think he's good enough to warrant a top 20 spot here. So he's a conditional top 20 player. Definitely. There's, I think there's some players like that. Like, some players, are like, when they're not the starter, really drop off a ton. I'm trying to think of some players that really fit in that mold. Like, 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 like a couple of years ago, like, Justice Winslow was like high up on a lot of people's lists because he got a lot of assists like when he was point justice. And then it's two years later, he should be in his prime and he's just out of rotations and nobody's thinking about him for fantasy. Well, you aren't, but I am. He's going to play for the Grizzlies, probably be the starter there. So he could definitely make a big impact next season. But we'll talk a lot more small forwards. You think he's going to start in Memphis? Yes. They're so done with Kyle Anderson and I'm so done with Kyle Anderson. He's going to start there for sure. Dude, Justice Winslow's not going to start. If anything, it would be Josh Jackson before it be him. Oh, God. Over Justice. All the homies hate Josh Jackson. I don't like Josh Jackson at all. He got dumped by like an eight wins Suns team. Eight wins. I don't even think they had, like, they played terrible. Mike, you're missing the main point. I'm a bigger Suns fan than you. No, you're not. I want you to name 10 players on the Suns right now. All right, I can do this. All right, Elia Kobo, Devin Booker, Kelly Oubre, Aaron Baines, DeAndre Ayton, 
Hold on. Who's their power forward? Hold on. I can do this. We're waiting. This is sad. Okay. Well, you missed like Frank Tyler Kaminsky. Johnson. I'm still thinking. Tyler Johnson, Frank Kaminsky, Dario Saric. Mikel yeah. Bridges. Dario Saric. I said that. Oh, you did? Yeah. Well, you missed you missed him as the starter because he was their starting power forward. Yeah. I couldn't remember their starting power forward. That's why. That's why. I was it's fine. Fun. You may be a bigger all-time Suns fan, like franchise fan, but you are not a bigger current Suns fan. No, I'm, I'm not even a Suns fan. I was just messing with you. You made me go through all of that for this. I have something that's gonna blow your mind, Mike. Are you listening? I'm ready. Malik Beasley is the same, like in the same situation as Kelly Oubre was in Washington, and Kelly Oubre finally got. A chance to play in the Suns, and if Malik Bleasky keep that chance with the Timberwolves, then he'll be a breakout player next season. Yo, anyone else hearing any crackling right now? Because that's hot. You guys got any more timber? Because that's hot. Not timber. Low key. Now that yeah, you put it hot. like that, now that you put it like in in terms of Michael, I, I kind of like that. See, I've been trying to explain that to you because I knew you would you would feel the same way because they really were in the same exact same situation, like. Kelly Oubre never really got a chance behind like Trevor Reza and, and the Wizards finally gave up on them and and then he got to the Suns and became the player that he finally could be. And I think the same way with Malik Beasley, like there's no doubt that they're both talented, but they just need the opportunity and the you know the franchise to believe in him. Wait, yeah. I want to try this now. Hold on, what's another player that Mike and I always disagree about? You can't, Vince. <laughs> I, I didn't really change my opinion. I I said it's just depending on if he gets the minutes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. I, He's got a qualifying offer by the Timberwolves right now, so he's not technically a free agent. Or I think he is. But he's a restricted he, free agent. Is he? Well, he's yes. got he's got a qualifying offer, so if he signs that, then he'll be with the Timberwolves, which I expect him to. But I have another Canadian on my notable list. I just have. Uh, I just want to talk a little bit about Norman Powell. I think that I've talked enough about Van Vliet and what he's done to the team and. Hopefully he'll be leaving Toronto this season, but with him leaving, I think that it gives Norman Powell finally an opportunity to start on the team. Whenever he was getting starting minutes, he was a top 20 shooting guard option in fantasy, and I don't think he gets enough credit for it. I know Mike and I were fighting for him on the waiver wire this season, and and he was still coming off the bench. So I think that one of those second, third shooting guard in your lineup, putting Norman Powell there, he can surprise a lot of people be just as good as any options in this in this range, better than Marcus Smart, Evan Fournier, Lou Will. I think that he will really impress you next season. I like Norman Paul. I, I don't know how much production there can even be left for him on the Raptors. Like they have a lot of really good fantasy contributors, which is why I didn't have him on my top twenty list here. I think he was just outside of mine. And yeah, it was just because there's so many good players on the Raptors. Like you have Lowry, Siakam, Gasol, Ibaka if he's still there. Anunobi is a big one that like cuts into a lot of Powell's minutes. And if Van Vliet comes back, like, I don't know if there's gonna be enough production for him, but if he's not there, then it could be a big year for him. I think he's a talented player. OG plays small forward. He was shooting 50% this last season, having two, three pointers a game, 84% at the free throw line, 1.2 steals a game and 16 points, averaging 28 minutes. I think it's pretty impressive. Only starting half the games. So I think that, like, with all things considered, I think he's definitely a top 20 shooting guard option. I think he's worth mentioning. Terrence Davis also had, like, a really good, like, second half of the season, if you guys remember that. Because I, I think I had Norman Powell for some of the second half of the year. At least, like, I think I picked him off the waiver wire maybe a couple of times. So I remember, like, watching Raptors games and just noticing that that team had a lot of, like, wing players who kind of did similar fantasy things. The only player from my note of mention here that I have in my top 20 that none of us have in our composite top 20 is Tim Hardaway Jr., 
I just want to very, very briefly talk about him because he's not too exciting of a player. He did go to Michigan, which is cool, but he's not an exciting fantasy player. I think he's a really good streamer for points and for threes. Doesn't give you a ton of house. Doesn't have a ton of like extremely negative categories. He's just kind of low in defensive stats and and like I said, basically everything but points and three pointers. So I have him in my top twenty. I think he's a good player. He's been kind of injury prone and throughout his career. But if you need somebody to stream on a Sunday night, definitely look towards Tim Hardaway Jr. if he's not already picked up in your league. 